Welcome to Alliance for a Viable Future podcast. I'm your host, Lev Natan. Welcome, everyone, to a wonderful opportunity today to speak with Pooja Prema. And it's a real privilege for you to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today, taking your precious time to uh, speak with this community. Thank you, love. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. And Pooja and I have known each other here in the local Berkshires community um, for a number of years. You're one of the one of the first people that I got to know when we moved here about four or five years ago now. And um, you have always struck me as a community weaver and uh, someone that, that is walking in ceremony, you know, mm-hmm. all the time uh, and, and thinking. And, and I, I, can, I can see you thinking ceremony and, and speaking the language of ceremony uh, all the time. So, um, and then your, your actions out in the world, your events, you know, have a magnetism, you know, people show up for the things that you do for many years before I was even here. And you created this incredible rites of passage project, uh, in 2013. And, now it's 2021 and i know as a as as fellow ceremonialists there's significance to this eight year cycle i i know i think you were trying to do it last year and with the pandemic it you know you tuned into the timing i imagine and i look forward to hearing more about that but now it's an eight year cycle which is you know an octave in a sense you know a new a new iteration uh, so I would love for you to just presence yourself any way you want. And the invitation is just to begin with, you know, what's the dream, you know, what's the vision, the calling, the prayer that rites of passage, this, pro- this, pro- this project is bringing, um, into expression. Mm. Thank you so much for starting out there, uh, you know, at that octave, as you say. I really love that, saying it's an octave. I didn't think of it that way. Because um, oftentimes I speak about the, the nuts and bolts and then go to that place. And so it's a nice invitation just to start where it really originates from. Um, but it, I was thinking that it's actually... Sarah, your wife, who inspired something around that that eight and that actually 2021 as something significant. And what she had said to me last year, and it was um, simply had to be moved because everyone had to adjust and change and move. But um, she said that one is the beginning. You know, zero is the mm. kind of dissolution and place of, unknown and then one is setting forth uh, into the next journey and that really struck me as true so I feel like not only is it an eight but it's the beginning of a new phase Mm. for the collective 
for me as a person, for rites of passage, as a project, it is a new beginning. Mm. So the vision of 2020 vision, rites of passage, because we say it's the 2020 iteration of this project that I began in 2013, is we are the once and future vision of our ancestors. And this theme of clear sight, clear sightedness that is both inner focused, inner sight, as well as outer sight, and that those two are the same, that they're linked we see ourselves more clearly, we see our past more clearly, our lineage past, our shared past. What are we coming from? How did we get here to this moment of massive unrest and crisis? And then therefore, what do we vision for the future? What do we see from that place of sight? What do we see for ourselves? What do we see for our community? What do we see for the world? And that site is mostly there's a lot of emphasis on on beauty and um, the possibility, but there's also a reckoning and acknowledgement of what is complex and difficult and painful that we carry and that we've been through experiencing as human beings. And specifically, Rites of Passage is a project that honors the initiatory life experiences of women, uh, and those who identify as women, cis and trans women, through the life cycle from birth to death, whether it's things like puberty and motherhood and menopause, or it is healing from trauma, healing the wounds that we've inherited. It is migration and diaspora. It is um, the process of forgiving and loving oneself. It is um, losses and changes, pandemics, um, divorces, so many experiences in our lives that modern culture here in the West and just generally the modern pace, the modern culture of life doesn't allow us to really reflect, to acknowledge, to speak about. We don't have a culture or language around initiation, any kind of initiation. We don't have community containers around that. So the project is meant to do that for cis and trans women through the arts. And I first saw in 2012 a vision of a house, a literal house of many rooms. And each room would represent a, a stage or a theme in women's lives using everyday objects and ritual gestures. And that an audience could literally pass through this house from room to room to room and be immersed in these worlds of transformation and healing. And we call them rooms of cure rooms of healing. So the audience walked through that house for three nights in 2013. And we had about 65 people that were a part of creating this, mostly women ages three to 89. But that vision was to create a space then that all of this long held narrative and prayers and creativity, creative life force energy and wisdom of women could have a place to live could have a literal home, to be at home, to express itself, to have a sense of belonging and truly take up space in a world that hasn't really let women take up space authentically. And we did that in a house because it represents the inner metaphor of our daily life. It also represents that the work and wisdom and art of women for centuries 
thousands of years really, was in the home, was in the domestic sphere, and it wasn't considered valuable or important uh, because it wasn't in the male-dominated sphere of society, the outward-facing public sphere, right? It's the domestic sphere. So opening the doors to our inner lives, to the places where we held power, where we always had created, you know, in our kitchens, for example. So that was the intention then. And now this intention, that prayer is, who are we as women of color in 2021? Because there was not a focus on women of color in 2013. And we were very limited by who composed the project because I was working just in the local Berkshires here. And as a woman and a person of color, I needed to speak in this moment to women of color, to black women, Asian women, indigenous women, Latinx women, uh, Middle Eastern women, and bring us all literally under one roof. Bring all of those lineages, those many colors, those many stories together to, to re-weep them and to see that commonality that we share as people that are more recently colonized <clears throat> and that have been marginalized for very long. To see the unity in our diversity and to say that now is the time when at a moment of maybe unparalleled crisis collectively on the globe, if we are to have a viable future, then we need to listen to the voices of women. And we need to listen to the voices of people of color of the global majority. And we need to listen to the ancestors and all of our ancestors ultimately the prayer that I believe all of our ancestral lineages are carrying is the same prayer and <clears throat> connects to what I like to call the perennial wisdom heritage of humanity. And can in this moment we um, <clears throat> tap into that perennial wisdom of humanity, that wisdom heritage, that birthright through the the pathways that are held by women of color, women of color's leadership, women of color's creativity, how we have been tending literal and metaphoric seeds for centuries, for decades. And that we have literally sustained generation upon generation by saving these seeds, these literal and metaphoric seeds. Mm, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, and just to add to that, that um, it's not been easy, that it's been very hard. We have faced erasure and enslavement and um, massive loss and repressed grief and forgetting, forgetting of our languages and our ways. And that I, I find people of color at an amazing forefront of that collective remembering that we, I think, more recently colonized people, we feel it very deeply, this pain. We have to reckon with it. Whereas I find a lot of folks that are white are numbed out. And I don't think um, as much Jewish people because they have faced a similar, you know, your people displacement for a long time. And so, however, 
a lot of European peoples, they have been so profoundly colonized and so profoundly displaced for so many thousands of years that they are disconnected from their roots. They're, those original sacred ways and those prayers and those songs and those languages are not remembered anymore. It's easier for me in a way as a colonized Indian woman um, to do the work of remembering that. It's incredibly hard. It takes so much fortitude and, and will to keep remembering the prayer of my own ancestors, but I don't have to go thousands of years back. It's there. I can touch it. I can go back home and I can feel the land. I can, I can gradually piece it together. So I think in that way, as people of color, we feel um, both this burden of carrying this collective grief and this collective pain of, of colonial oppression, but we also feel blessed to have access to the tools and wisdom lineage, even though it was denied us and, and forgotten, even though our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents had to, out of survival and, and out of choice, leave those things behind we could go and recover them now. And I think Rites of Passage 2020 Vision is a house of that remembrance of the ancestral prayers and wisdom. And, and bringing together, as I said, all of these lineages, all of these wisdom ways and women, um, all of these ancestors, I feel like I'm doing this because the ancestors have asked for it. And the women that are drawn, so right now we're 65 women of all different walks and ways and ages and ethnicities are drawn to this, I really feel, because our ancestors. It's not an easy project. It's a beautiful project. It's hard work. And what sustains those who have stayed through, particularly since we moved it from 2020, is this deeper mandate to be creating this right now for us for our healing, for our own rite of passage, and for our ancestors, and for all of us, for the future generations. Hmm. Yeah, thank you, Pooja, for listening to that mandate like that. And I got chills when you said, to create a viable future, we need to listen to women and women of color. And last night I was looking at your website again and tuning in and remembering my own journey of connection, nature connection, self-connection, connection to uh, commitment to the future, you know, remembering my own journey of deployment i like to call it of the mandate you know how the ancestors are speaking to me and it has to do with the earth listening to the earth oh how do i remember how do how do we listen to the earth we need to learn the language of the earth and then those those perennial wisdom traditions there have always been people that knew how to do that and still do and then like that the earth and, and the woman, the women, for me, that's what I have seen, uh, both the beauty of the earth and of women and the, the, the wisdom 
and the nourishment and then also the atrocities that our society have um, that, that we have that are continuing unfortunately and that there's a history there and I, I feel it's very connected um, so yes. I want what yes yes so what I want to ask you because like you were saying everyone's in a different place in terms of their own connection to this mm. conversation uh, is I don't like the phrase devil's advocate, but I want to just bring in a thought process of what do we say to, how do we make the connections? This conversation of the Alliance for a Viable Future, it's about a whole systems um, awareness, systems thinking, how is everything connected? What mm -hmm. my inner, the inner callings of my heart, the mandate, the ancestors, all of these intuitive, personal, deeply personal uh, experiences, ceremonies, you know, how is that connected to, you know, drawdown of carbon dioxide to 1.5 Celsius and the scientific community that needs to, that says this is what needs to happen and to the, you know, uh, triple bottom line businesses and to the policies and government and to the this and the that, all the different in the educational reform. How are, how are these things connected? In other words, how does what you're doing, you know, recently someone said, reminded me of this phrase, grow corn. How does, how does Rites of Passage, this project, grow corn for the future? You know, in the, in, because in, in this mindset here of the, North, you know, the Western world, we still have that, you know, analytical cutting mind that we need to at least speak to in order for it to relax into a space of seeing the relationship between things and seeing the connections. So I'm gonna, I want to invite you if you can help us in that way. Thank you for bringing in so much um, rich awareness into this question. It feels like just opening a door into the, the vastness of our collective experience. So I'll try my best. I wanted to begin by thanking you for also bringing the earth in because that is the the foundation for it all for this project for my work like when I speak of the ancestors I remember in my personal journey when I was first tapping into this concept of the ancestors I think a lot of times people um it, it is a literal thing we have lineages we were born into lineages of people with stories and places and in my work as a ceremonial leader as a guide for groups in transformative process. I do a lot of work around ancestral healing and it is literal, um, but it is also everything. Our ancestors are everything. And to me, it's not a concept, it's a lived, it's a direct lived experience that the ancestors are everything. The ancestors are the earth and everything is the ancestors. And I'm only speaking and I only have the gifts I have because the ancestral energy of life, of creation, gave those things to flow through me. And so the ancestors are Mother Earth. That is, our ancestor is this planet. 
And we live in a way, all of us, for the most part, where we don't recognize that we come from this place. We come from ancestors, meaning ultimately we come from this place, this planet, and the profundity of that. I like to say that we are, the earth is a garden. No, it is this garden, a garden of Eden possibility. That's the prayer I feel in all of our lineages to remember the garden of Eden that is Mother Earth. Um, but we forget, we're, we're displaced from that awareness that we belong here, that this is our home, that we can have a home here, that we can live in a garden of abundance. And so <clears throat> I think how do we remember that wholeness, that story, that weave, that garden? How do we remember to be keepers of a garden as opposed to just people that visit here and leave without an, a relationship of reciprocity? And uh, it, I think we act as though we, we come here and then we're gone. That's it. Okay. You know, as that awful saying, like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Gone, I'm out of here. Our humanity's mm. patriarchal relationship with woman and earth and ancestors is all one thing. We don't have reverence because we're we're disconnected from mother. And how do we reconnect? I think every possibility of a viable future and transformation on every level is dependent on our individual and collective reconnection, remembrance with that wholeness, with that sense of this planet being our mother and what will help us remember that. Like God has blessed anything that helps in that remembering process because without a true remembering that each individual experiences within themselves, it remains a concept, an abstract something that we have to do or make happen in the world outside of us. It, I feel the true transformation, what we're doing here, I, I like to say the human project, is we're trying to make that journey whole inside and outside. And it's like a both and. It's not just that we do the outer work of doing drawdown or we do the inner work of self-healing. We've got to do both simultaneously. We've got to deconstruct this patriarchal notion that tells us that we're not good enough and we don't belong here and we don't have enough um, to sustain our dream as much as um, there's not enough resources to go around. The problem uh, is that we, we have a system, as you know, and a consciousness that makes it so only a few people have a lot and a lot of people have almost nothing. And that greed that ultimately we can call it white supremacy culture, we can call it colonization, we can call it capitalism, we can call it patriarchy, we can call it extractive culture or power over dominator culture. But all of those things have to do with that we're disconnected from this planet. Right? We're disconnected from our sense of a shared heart, a shared life force. Without you, I wouldn't be here. So any notion of separation that I'm separate from you, 
that I can, I can live this life without you living a good life is delusional, right? Ultimately, we are straight up delusional running around as human beings. Like, and, and what will heal that disconnection, that delusion? Bringing it to rites of passage, I feel that the arts are something that with consciousness can make that connection for people, can make it real, can make it tangible. And, but ritual does that and ceremony does that. And so a ceremonial way of approaching art is what we're doing, is what I'm doing, is what many of our, all of our ancestors at some point were doing through performance and visual art and music. Those were modalities that allowed us to remember why we're here. Those were truly what the arts were and are. They're not entertainment. I mean, they are entertaining sometimes, but they're truly something that was um, a technology for remembrance, for reconnection, for feeling our heart and our shared heart. So if people of all genders and all walks can walk through this house or can experience eventually our online virtual website, um, and that's a whole nother conversation because I have a lot of things to say about virtual life, but... Um, if they can go through that house and have a sense of, wow, I experienced this, a rite of passage in my life, but I didn't ever know it was such. I, this reconnection to the earth theme that I keep seeing in this house, whether it's through earthen vessels or massive amounts of water everywhere or flowers or literal soil or seeds, we have a literal seed pantry um, and food, ancestral foods pantry. People see that, they walk in and see a collection of heirloom seeds and they go and they see these things, they feel these things, they smell, they hear. It's every texture of sensory awareness simultaneously. My prayer is that at some point it hits them on a visceral level and allows a process of remembering that is deeper than yet. You know, we're always all remembering deeper. Every single one of us is remembering our wholeness deeper. So that is the ultimate prayer of this house is that it could help people remember that reconnection to the earth, remember that reconnection to what is it to be a woman? What is it to be in a body that is feminine? What is it to have a woman in one's life? What is it to have come from a human being with a womb? Most likely most of our mothers were women, you know, like were self-identified as women is what I mean to say. That reverence of, wow, this planet is amazing is the same as wow, women are amazing. And wow, I came from a woman and wow, she endured hardship to bring me here. I think all these things you're mentioning are simultaneous awareness and we never know how or when, what is it gonna make a human being have a simultaneous awareness of the interconnection of all reality, all aspects of reality. But that is the way I am. You know, that is, that is simply reality, like true remembrance, nothing is disconnected anymore. So political awareness and consciousness, every single liberation movement that exists, liberation for the planet, for clean water, for women's rights, for LGBTQ rights, and um, 
you know, Black Lives Matter, immigration justice, all these things are simply the movement for remembrance, the movement for belonging, the movement for having that garden on earth, the garden that we are, be a shared garden of flourishing and flowering and resilience. And, and so I hope that Rites of Passage is that garden, is a garden tended by women of color that come from long lineages of gardeners who may have forgotten their seeds and how to tend the garden, but are remembering it now. And in the actual embodiment of that remembering that people can witness, that people can tune into, um, they will be inspired in their own process of remembrance. And, and I think above all, too, you spoke to it really beautifully. And it, it reminds me of something one of my teachers said to me years ago, which is all this healing that we're doing and this, I would say, complete mess that we're in as a humanity and even as a human identity, uh, as individual there's so much work to be done in that mending and remembering. Sometimes it can feel just crippling. I know it does for me. How will I ever be free? How will I ever release the weight of this oppression or this, you know, forgetting, this confusion, this separation, right? And she said, think of it as what, who are you doing this for? What are you doing this for in the future? Because if you're just thinking about yourself and all of that obstacle, you definitely want to give up. I definitely want to give up. It's very similar to how in the Buddhist paths they say, you know, my liberation is for the liberation of all sentient beings. And I think that is what I heard you say too, is that ultimately what is this for, this remembrance? For me, it's to bring the garden back into flower. Who's it for? It's for the ancestors. Who are the ancestors? There are children coming back to us. And over and over and over again, we're just trying to remember how to be a garden instead of a desolate, you know, um, place where the seeds can't grow because the soil is too rough and the rain isn't pouring. And um, everything is a metaphor for consciousness. So... I truly believe in the regenerative power of Mother Earth. I truly believe in the power of seeds. I truly believe in our, the power of our diversity and our wisdom ways as humanity. And like the other thing that I think of that was such an impact for me years ago is someone who was a friend of mine who is a seed keeper. I was back in my ancestral homeland in Kerala and in Kerala, we had thousands of varieties of rice. We had thousands of varieties of mangoes. And now, for example, with mangoes, there's like 10 varieties of mango trees. And like that sort of erasure of human language, of, of, of beauty ways, and of of species, of life that are not human is all interconnected. And I had so much grief about the loss of all the mango varieties. And this person who was a man said to me, do you know that in every single mango seed, it holds the genetic potential of thousands of mango varieties and that nature will create all of those varieties again or all new ones in time. And it will take time but that time is a blip 
ultimately, I mean, we are a true blip in this story of remembrance and forgetting, right? And that have faith in that eternal prayer. There's only one way, ultimately, it's going to keep going until we remember, I guess, is how I feel. <laughs> and however long it takes um, until that garden can be, you know, that Garden of Eden. Anyway, I'm a utopianist, if you can't tell. So that's the way I think. And that's like, I think if I wasn't shooting for that, I wouldn't embark on a project like this. I would I would not do anything. Mm. Like if it's not going to be the most beautiful prayer of the ancestors, then why do it? Someone else said to me recently, go big or go home. So I don't know if that explains or it provides any kind of insight into the way that I see the interconnectedness of all of those things and how does it become practical. I want people in the house to see those seeds and to to somehow get a transmission mm-hmm. of those seeds are as practical as they are metaphoric. Mm. We were all seeds inside of our mothers. You know, we were, I was a a seed. I was a an egg in my mother's ovaries when she was a baby in my grandmother's womb. I was a seed. I have seeds. What am I going to do with those seeds? How do I tend those seeds? I think when I was young and I first got into permaculture, so that was over 20 years ago, um, and it blew my mind because of the pattern language. And I wish that I was like, why did no one ever tell me from the moment I came onto this planet till now that everything is interconnected and that every single pattern is everywhere? You know, that a tree is a placenta and so on and an iris and um, everything is connected. Wow. Okay, that's it. You know, (laughs) that's everything. So. I just feel like we're here to remember that in as many ways as possible. And my prayer is that rites of passage facilitates that for as many people as possible in a beautiful way, in a way that is a celebration. Enjoy this 20-second Nature Sounds pause to give yourself a moment to reflect. Yeah, that transmission that you spoke about, you know, that's, that's what I see. You know, I had a question here about the ripple effects, you know, the pebble in the pond, the calm pond ripples out, you know. Maybe you could share a story, maybe it's a future story of uh, between... August 13th and 17th of 2021, there's going to be, I guess, four days, five, five days where the house is open and, you know, people are going to be streaming in with, with masks or no masks. I'm not sure at that point, but people will be entering a physical home in Pittsfield, Massachusetts that you are renting for this project. Uh, with 65 other women who will also be there. Yes? 
Yes. Um, not all of those 65, but there will be about 60 people involved because they're on site as well. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so, so just the focus of, right. So someone from the community or wherever someone's heard, heard this podcast and they, Oh my God, I have to go see this. I mm-hmm. have to, I, I, I don't know what it is. Something in me is being called to be there. I don't know. I just have to listen. Maybe it's a rite of passage for me to, to, to go in a pilgrimage to go to Pittsfield, mm. Massachusetts to the rites of passage project for this particular moment in time. Then I enter into the door and, 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 you know, what's the impact and tell that future story of that, that person, maybe there's a particular person in that's in your mind that you're like, I can't wait till that person comes and visits this home. And what, what's it going to do for them? You know, in their, that life, you know, they, they work, they have a job maybe they have a family. Well, there's so many people that I think of, but what I think of when you were speaking is that it's, it's a house of belonging it's a temple of remembrance. And uh, we're not used to anymore here in the West going into spaces like that. Our homes were temples of remembrance, you know, ultimately. And we forgot that kind of process of gatekeeping. So when people enter the house, again, every texture of senses, senses like sight, hearing, um, smell, touch, they won't be touched physically, but they will feel the air. Um, is happening simultaneously. They walk through these rooms. They see all these different women of color from all different places around the world, their lineages. They see a room full of dirt. They go into down a stairway that's a rebirth canal. They go through over 21 spaces, actually, of this remembrance they see little toddlers and old women, everybody in between. And when they come out of that journey, they go into the last room, which is called V is for victory. And it's a room that I'm curating, which is ultimately it's victory to this garden, victory to the flowering earth. And what they see there is a massive um, weaving, a literal weaving that represents the the remembering of the weave of humanity and thousands of flowers in that room. And they are just struck by this total beauty, total sensory beauty. And in that moment, going through all of these different spaces and textures and worlds really, they feel in their heart an overwhelming sense of fullness. Um, Sometimes that level of fullness is like more than we experience generally in life or are comfortable with, but I hope that it could create an opening, a a profound opening sense of empathy and interconnection with these people who maybe are like them, maybe are not like them at all. Um, And that they experience a sense of recognition in their own self in that journey, whether they're a person of color or not a person of color, that there is some way that they get linked in, in a good way to to feel that shared humanity and also that recognition of difference. Therefore, 
how am I going to show up for the collective? How am I going to show up for women's liberation, people of color's liberation, my own liberation um, daily, in my daily life? How am I going to hold my awareness a little differently than I have? And what do I want for the future? What do I want for my life? I mean, we've all been through a collective rite of passage. We are still in called COVID-19 pandemic on the globe. Um that has reoriented us in many ways, but still not really given us a clear direction, I think, in a lot of cases of, well, what do you want this world to be like, actually, you know? And so those are lofty things to say, but of course, I hope that people come to the house and have those feelings and thoughts and what do I want my life to be now? If this is possible, I never imagined anything like this house in my life, none of us have. I mean, I have, but <laughs> um, I've never imagined anything like this house. I'm blown away by the beauty here and the power of the women here and the levels of remembrance that are all simultaneously coming together. And I feel it, I can't even cognize it. I can't make sense of it with my mind. It's just went straight to my heart. And now I'm feeling things I maybe haven't felt. And I'm wondering things about my life and our future that I haven't thought or felt necessarily ever in this way. And now what? I don't have an answer for now what, but that sense of recognition. I remember last time, 2013, my favorite audience member um, input was on a card at the end of that journey, last time we fed them toast and tea and we had these cards that every audience member could write down a rite of passage of their own and hang it up. And my favorite was someone who wrote, by the time I got to the second room, I thought it's not so bad being a woman after all. And that's so simple. But my God, if this person has been around a few decades, perhaps, and that's what they got out of this house, that's amazing to me. You can go through a life and pretty much feel like it's an awful thing to either A, be a woman or be alive. And if they could walk through this house and get a sense of it's not so bad, that's a good start. <laughs> I'd love them to get a sense of, wow, it could be beautiful. Wow, it could be amazing to be here. It could be amazing to be a woman. I didn't know it could be like this until now. That's even better, but even to get a sense of any slight awakening of possibility is a miracle to me. Mm. I could never guarantee um, in, in the ritual performing arts whether someone will have that liminal experience, but it's always, I want to set up the conditions where it's a possibility. Mm. And that that would be my hope is that as many people as possible could go through this house and have a liminal experience of, of remembrance and possibility and connection um, through the senses, through sensory awareness, through direct experience, not as a concept, but as lived, remembered experience. Because mm. mm. otherwise I could just write about it. Mm. Yeah. You know? But there's something about actually being in three-dimensional reality, 
Mm. with other human beings in space and time together in a collective shared transmission. Thank you. Yeah, as you were speaking, I was thinking that piece right there, I think it's even more significant now as, as we're, uh, God willing, coming out of this pandemic, right? This isolation uh, rite of passage for our planet, our humanity. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about a teaching that one of my elders, native teacher, shared many years ago about um, actually men coming home from war, mm-hmm. battle, and that uh, there's a there's a ritual for that, for getting ready for war and changing your consciousness and your body and your image of yourself so that you can do what needs to be done and then to come back and realize I'm not there anymore. I'm back in the community and what the women did to support the men to, to transition. So they would leave the violence out there and not bring it back into the community. And that's what just came to me when you were talking about the house actually is that healing energy of that house that all of us, you know, that's, that's in the old days when the the gender, you know, roles were so, uh, in some ways, you know, it's still the same. And in other ways it's, it's, it's much more fluid, uh, but we're, we're all, you know, in a sense, uh, in, in, in a battle, uh, of this modern industrial, yes that we have it's there's there's damage to our psyches and our nervous systems from dealing with the day-to-day in in this the stress of of all of it right that's a whole nother podcast but then to be brought in to a multi-sensory experience of remembering uh, like some beautiful phrases a temple of remembering uh, different things that you said like that. And uh, so for all of us, that, that, that softening that can happen mm-hmm. and the, the softening of the heart to actually allow that to come in and then the transmission of some revelation, some insight that, like you said, you don't know where it's going to go, but it goes in, you know, 10,001 <laughs> directions, I mean, infinite directions, for each person, but it's going to go somewhere. Good is what I hear. It's good medicine. Good medicine. Good medicine. Yeah. I love that you said that because, um, we are as women of color, we are constantly in a hyper protected state. Many of us as women against patriarchy and the ravages of, of that assault, um, as much on us as women and, as mother earth and that as people of color against white supremacy and colonization and really it's something we live with every day a sense of not belonging a sense of not feeling safe not feeling seen um, being at war with a world that is not humane to any of us and so to come in this space it's incredibly vulnerable um to do this to say that um everyone is welcome in this space. 
a space that is supposed to be safe for us as women of color to say that everyone, men, white folks, everyone is welcome here is quite a radical thing to do, um, to open up a BIPOC space like that. But there is a sacredness that you're talking about. It is a lay your weapons down here at this door. You know, those who will enter must come in reverence and care. Um, that is a really profound thing. So I'm just taking that in. Um, we are not able as human beings to come into sacred spaces like that very often, period. But to come into a space that is held by women of color for the remembrance of the feminine principle is an invitation, not just for those who identify as women to relate to what is feminine in our world. And I would say the garden is so much of what makes a garden grow um, is, is a feminine element. Um, the, the force of life is like, what makes a baby grow in a mother's womb? I mean, that's all creation, right? But the mother is holding that, is, is the, the woman is the space of that growing, that becoming. And so we're holding a space for people, all people to reconnect with the feminine essence of life. Because we all have it. We're all feminine and masculine. But we live in a world that denies that and that makes us, like you said, hard, makes us the warrior, we don't get to soften very much in the life and connect with our, um, I mean, the feminine isn't just soft, it's fierce, it's everything. Um, I mean, or it's a whole spectrum, but we don't get a chance to really see the spectrum either. So I think it's an invitation to lay down those weapons and to enter a sacred space of remembrance and also to really explore those rooms within our own consciousness, within our own being, within our own experience. Like as a woman, we have all these different rooms. We have a motherhood room, whether or not we're ever a mother to another. We have eventually an elder room. We have all a childhood or girlhood room behind us. And when are we ever given the chance to fully inhabit those spaces, to recognize, to honor, to celebrate all of who we are? not just a part of what the world wants us to be. So that's also an invitation to, to really be intimate. Here's one more nature sound pause to tune your listening. So I know for myself, the, you know, leadership is about putting my feet underneath it, whatever thoughts, whatever dreams, whatever prayers. So we probably wouldn't be having the, this conversation unless you were actually doing this, you know, you know, if it was just an idea that you had and it's like, ah, oh, this would be so cool, but you've made that you've crossed the line you've crossed you've taken a rite of passage you've made one i i <laughs> is my sense i i uh, you know of stepping across the threshold of i'm going to create this and that's that takes courage that takes i imagine if i was thinking about you 
that that's when I have to do something uh, that that's big, that feels big. It takes takes courage for me. That's been my experience. So just want to acknowledge you for that. And uh, and I know for myself, one of the biggest challenges is is the money part. You know, it's like whoa, how is this really like? I want to acknowledge all these people, and it takes money. Thing, you know, this is that's part of the language of what makes things happen in the world. So I, I just want to appreciate you for, you know, the risk and the courage. Um, and I want to share with our listeners that there's, there is a, a budget to, to make this happen. It's an artistic idea and it's in physical reality. And even <laughs> if it was only in virtual reality, it would still have a budget. <laughs> uh, but so there's a fundraiser that I wanted to make everyone uh, be aware of on uh, GoFundMe. And I just wanted to give you a moment to speak about that and both the courage that it takes to do that. And then, and then the actual practicalities of people giving people an uh, opportunity to practice uh, generosity in this moment. Thank you for bringing that in, um, in such a good way. It's actually a platform called Chuffed. Um, not GoFundMe, um, that we're using currently and, uh, Chuff, we are a nonprofit. So all the donations are tax deductible and Chuff doesn't take money from your donation, but it does add money on top. And so, um, when you go to give us a donation, you have an option to say, okay, I'll extra support Chuff or not, but most people don't see it. So I'm like, uh Oh, anyway, that's something. I'm jumping ahead, but um, we're crowdsourcing at this point because um, we have a budget of $200,000, which is actually very modest for, I say 65 people, but it's actually going to be you know, ultimately more than that. But production team, about 20 people, I mean, dozens of artists documenting this with video and photography, um, making sure that there's support that's also emotional and energetic support for everyone. Materials, renting the house, housing all these women. 200,000 is like, oh. So we have about half of that after a year of fundraising. And now- Congratulations. Thanks, we need the other half. I will say that your focus on leadership is much appreciated because I am someone who has been put in a leader position, um, yet I am an introvert and a lot of my inquiry with this project and in general is what does feminine leadership look like? What does it look like to be truly inclusive, to be collaborative, to be creating space for things like self-care? And um, it's a challenge because the paradigm we live in in a capitalist colonial settler colonial society is very much do, 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 get it done. So it's definitely a challenge to embody leadership that is um, really new paradigm, but that is the intention. And with the fundraising, you know, on, on many deep levels, I am not coming from a place in this lifetime that has prepared me or that has ever ennobled me to ask for large sums of money. Um, asking for 200 or inviting $200,000 is is regarded as ambitious by a lot of people. And I was speaking to a woman uh, last week who said, you know, it's never ambitious when a white man fundraises that kind of money or millions of dollars. It's ambitious when a woman tries to do it or when a person of color tries to do anything. 
that is large scale are going to affect collective change. And is it really ambitious? I mean, perhaps it is, but I would like to reframe that as this is not only an invitation to be part of something that is truly liberative and that shows our future potential for remembering this garden of humanity that we are here, but also an act of reparations. Because what is this money? What is this currency? Where did it come from? It came through the uh, erasure of many languages and peoples. It comes presently from that. It comes from resource extraction of, of indigenous lands, of lands that were never meant to be bought or sold in the first place. It came and it comes from the forced a labor, whether by enslavement or capitalism, essentially the same thing of black and brown bodies and women's bodies and women's labor as um, on so many levels. So an act of reparations that says this money is actually yours. This, this currency is actually all of ours and certainly women and women of color who birth everything, right? Women are mother earth, we birth everything. We continue life on this planet. Certainly you should have enough money to make something beautiful and healing for yourselves and everyone. Certainly it should not feel audacious or um, ambitious to ask for. I'll say as a person, as a woman of color, as an Indian woman, it's a real stretch. I've never asked for this kind of money before or welcomed it. I've never seen $100,000 in my life. I never imagined that I would be able to fundraise that kind of money. And at the same time, I'm aware that for a lot of people, it's nothing. $100,000 is really nothing. <laughs> and for other people, it's everything. It's more than an entire lifetime's worth of money. Um, so I'm holding all of that complexity and the reality, I don't think that people know because I'm in a position like this, that it's not easy. It's incredibly uncomfortable. I come from people that I am only the second generation out of British colonial rule. Nothing has told me that I deserve this or that, my, that I have the right to create, to, to have a vision and see it through. No one ever told me that I could do this. I'm doing it because of some, you know, something deeper that is saying this needs to be done. So I'm asking for the money on behalf of these 65 women and, and on behalf of the ancestors of all of our lineages, but ultimately all of the ancestors to make something beautiful and life-giving right now. Um, but it, it is definitely, when we speak about money, I'm aware of all those levels that it's needed, like you said, that it's a reality, that there's also no escaping, that this money is not clean money. No, none of it. It is based on resource extraction. And so I guess on that larger sense, again, I hope that through this re reparations and re money that we could create something regenerative and a future potential that could inspire people to grow food, to create communities, to actually live their lives in more harmonious ways, to respect themselves, their own bodies, other women's bodies, other people of color's bodies and experiences, all of ours, right? So it's not simply to make a profit, is what I'm saying. I have no interest in making a profit. I have no interest in doing a capitalist game the only reason I'm doing this is to create something of benefit and money is a part of that. So 
Chuffed is the campaign we're using. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a beautiful thing, I think, to open the net and open the arms and say, hey, help us. It's also so vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we're going to have a link in our okay. podcast here for people. And it's running till May 31st. Okay, good. Good. Well, that, that'll happen. Yeah, it'll, thank you. It'll happen. And um, yeah, inviting, inviting our listeners, our community here to, to, to show up for the Rites of Passage Project. Um, and I have my quote, which relates to this. Yes, please. You ready? <laughs> it's ready. an Audrey Lord quote. She's one of my favorite mm. um, Black feminist writers. That visibility which makes us most vulnerable is that which is also the source of our greatest strength. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you again, Pooja. Do you want to just read that one last time mm -hmm. as we as we close the close the space? That visibility that makes us most vulnerable is that which is also the source of our greatest strength. Audrey Lord. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and connected with a valuable insight that will help you in your everyday life, nourish your deeper wisdom, and strengthen your courage to show up for the task at hand. If you'd like to say thank you, you can leave a review on iTunes, share this with a friend, and make a tax-deductible donation on our website, allianceforaviablefuture.org slash donate. Thank you so much again for supporting this vital work. This podcast was produced by Jonas Ode and Lev Natan with sound engineering by Jonas Ode. It featured our original theme song, a rendition of ULA, an African folk song traditionally sung while paddling in unison downriver, with Jason Hoosier on guitar and vocals, with Eva Geyser on vocals and percussion, and Sean Hoots on vocals. Thank you to our guests for sharing your time and wisdom with our Alliance community. Thank you to our advisory board, Founders Circle, members, and listeners for supporting this work. Together, we are building a viable future. Mm -hmm.